thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And don't forget, you can find us on social media. We are The Wellness Women on Facebook, The Wellness Women Official on Instagram. Ashley is Dr. Ashley Bond uh, at everything. <laughs> and I yeah. am The Period Whisperer on Facebook and Dr. Andrea.xo on Instagram. And we are super excited to have one of our really good buddies on the show today. Um, so everybody welcome Dr. Brett Hill. Um, this is not his first rodeo with us. Um, Brett, welcome back to Wellness Women Radio. Oh, thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm honoured to be back. And uh, you know what impressed me about your introduction is that you've had to go for the Wellness Women official on your social media. <laughs> and for me, that's always a sign that you've got, you know, you're so popular that people are trying to imitate you. And so then you've had to add the official tag on the end just to get around it. So congratulations, guys. You've obviously made it. Oh, that's oh thanks, yeah, we're so fancy. <laughs> we were just too slow, and so uh, we realised that two two ladies from like, America had started something, posted four times, and then kept the account. And we're like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, it's not the first time that's happened on the Wellness Couch. So uh, I know the Up for a Chat girls had their uh, Instagram already taken. Uh, with a very decidedly dodgy account, which has been a, a long-running joke on the wellness couch. So um, oh, if, you're, no. you know, if you like dirty, salacious things, then you can check that out. Oh, ooh. <laughs> that, is, well, that is kind of hilarious, particularly for, you know, Cindy, Karen and uh Very, and very funny. You will laugh when you see it. Are you sure Kim didn't just make it secretly just for a joke? I, I, she doesn't have the tools. that'll give you a little hint as to what you might find when you go there oh dear 
Okay, so um, <laughs> that was a slight segue out of that. But um, ladies, if you if you don't know, if you haven't heard the previous episode that we've done with him before, let me just um, paint a little picture of who the amazing Dr. Brett Hill is. Um, so Brett was one of the original wellness guys and um, obviously the founder of the Wellness Couch as well. So that's obviously where we launch our podcast from. It is the most popular wellness, uh, I guess, podcast medium there is. Um, He's the host of, you know, also This Week in Wellness, which is little bite-sized chunks of wellness information podcasts um, each week, which is amazing. He's a resilience mentor, a functional nutrition coach, chiropractor, public speaker, and author of numerous books like um, How to Eat an Elephant and his new amazing book called Rock Bottom, which we're going to get into a little bit about today. Uh, He regularly appears on TV and radio um, and his media appearances, seminars, coaching and consulting have inspired thousands of people over the last decade to live long, happy, healthy lives. So, Brett, uh, what an intro. Welcome back. That was long. I know. I'm going to have to update that too because I'm getting old now. So, I think it's longer than a decade now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The photo on there, you do look just, just a smidge younger on that photo. But you've also had a new baby since you've been on last, so uh, surely that will give you a few more grey hairs, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. It's pretty short at the moment, so um, I'm just hiding them. You know, they can't let it grow out. <laughs> no, no. When, I, when the beard gets out, there's definitely a lot more grey in the front of the beard nowadays than there used to be. Oh, it just means you're more distinguished. Yeah, I, I like to think so. I like to pretend it means I'm wiser. I'm, I'm not 100% sure that that's true, but I like to pretend it does. <laughs> Um, so Brett, um, since we had you on the show last, you've got married, you've had your new, new bub. Um, how old is Timmy now? Uh, Timmy is nine and a half months now. We're still counting in half months. So that's our new years. And so nine and a half months and, uh, yeah, he's going great. He's a little dude. He's lots of fun. He's actually, he's in Melbourne at the moment. So, uh, I've been uh, away from him for about a week and a half because, uh, Steph has finally been allowed to go back and visit her family. And uh, so, yeah, we, we Facebook with him, you know, what do you call it? Facebook video, whatever it is, <laughs> Facebook messenger video with him this morning. And uh, that's as close we've gotten for the last couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to seeing him on Sunday. Oh, that's so lovely. Um, yeah, Brett, what a year it must have been having a new bub with the way that 2020's turned out. Uh, it's been interesting. Uh, in many ways, I think it's actually been, as crazy as it sounds, it's been a little bit of a blessing. So, we were lucky that the whole, um, you know, birthing process happened just before Corona really kicked in. So he was born twelfth uh, of February, um, and so um, which we kind of laugh about because it was, you know, two days before Valentine's Day. You can imagine what an amazingly romantic Valentine's Day we had, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> two-day-old baby in the house. It was just, you know, all going on, and. Um, but yeah, we were lucky that you know the whole birth was amazing and just how we hoped it would be. Um, and then everything kind of got locked down. And so, you know, we were kind of forced to spend a little bit of extra time at home and, and have a little bit of extra time with bubs, which was great, really. Um, so it was, you know, in many ways, quite fortuitous timing for us. Um, and and I, I say that with full knowledge that it's been quite challenging uh, or very challenging for others. Um, but, but yeah, the, the timing for us was actually quite good. 
And it's so interesting this year, isn't it? This um, the silver linings that we we need to look for. And like you said, just having a chance to actually slow down, lock down, nest a bit longer. You know, ordinarily you might have taken a week or two off. Uh, you know, to just nest at home and then get back straight into the swing of things. Ordinarily, on any given year, you'd have been travelling. You know, all over the place with uh, the different things and the events that you'd have been running. So, in a strange roundabout way, you know, Steph and uh, and Tim have had a lot more time with Dad this year, which is pretty cool. And of course, you know, like you said, it's been such a challenging year, which I think. Is such a perfect uh, reason to chat to you today because, you know, one of the big things you're doing is looking at, you know, resilience building and, and how we can enhance our own innate, you know, resilience. And I think, you know, this year has really uh, shown gaping holes in, you know, our abilities to cope with things. And, uh, and a lot of people have had to try and find new tools, you know, new ways of, of managing uh, life, you know, dealing with the, the hardships or the frustrations or the sadness or the loss. There's just so many layers, you know, it is even grief processes going on just because our way of life that we knew um, has almost been overnight stripped away from us and we've had to try and figure out a new way to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, resilience, I think, much like many topics in health and wellness, uh, is one of those ones where, unfortunately, we tend to wait until the, you know, the shit hits the fan before we decide that maybe it's something we should do something about. Um, And so, you know, often it is in these times of crisis and, and in these times of, you know, volatility and uncertainty and, you know, all the change going on that we think, wow, um, you know, maybe I do need to work on my resilience and maybe there are some tools I should be trying to find here to help me through, um, which, you know, in some ways is great uh, that that is, you know, that that is the stimulus that helps people make that great change. And, you know, we'll probably talk about this quite a bit as we go along, but, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that these challenges are blessings and curses at the same time and that, you know, there is always the flip side to that, as you sort of mentioned, and the lessons we can learn from that. Um, and, you know, hopefully one of the lessons we can learn from that is not to wait until the shit hits the fan before thinking we should do something about our resilience and, and that we should build ourselves up, you know, physically, chemically, emotionally um, to make sure that we are more resilient and we are better prepared to deal with whatever might come along. I mean, I think, you know, that the classic example of that this year, I think, has been um, you know, just if you look at finances, just as one small part of it. Um, and, and I think so many people have realized this year um, that they weren't financially as prepared for a crisis as they could be. Um, and then I think the flip side of that is that they've realized this year that they can probably actually survive on a whole lot less than they thought they could. Um, and as a result, you know, realizing that perhaps they may have been preparing better um, leading up to this event as well. And, you know, uh, once again, I know I'm certainly not one to give financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. And I know everyone's situation is different. Um, And so, you know, fully acknowledging that. But I think, you know, that's just one small example, I think, of the lessons that have been learnt as we've hit this period. Um, And as I said, hopefully the lesson from that is to think, well, okay, you know, corona might not happen again, but but something's going to happen again at some stage in the future. Um, And what I'd love is that next time a crisis comes along that I'm better prepared for that. Brett, I'd love you to, um, we know your journey, but we'd love you to share with our listeners just a little bit about your background and how you you became, you know, I guess, so uh, full of zest and full of energy for doing this work, you know, to work with people. Because obviously, I think sometimes the best coaches, the best teachers, the best mentors come from their own personal journeys, their growth, their expansion. And unfortunately, sometimes we have to go through the hard stuff to, to realize where our power lies. So if you don't mind just touching on a little bit about your own journey towards this point where, you know, you've become this incredible resilience mentor. Um, you know, how, how did you get here? Yeah, well, it is an interesting journey. And I guess, 
for me, it kind of starts right from the start. Like as a kid, I was always just incredibly curious. You know, like I would be the kid at the family barbecue and all the other kids are off playing who just kind of sit at the corner of the table and listen to every adult conversation because I was just fascinated with like what they were talking about and what was going on and, and just like a sponge wanting to learn stuff. Um, and so I think to a large degree, that was what sort of set me off on this health and wellness journey was, you know, every time I'd learn something about health or I'd see something in the media, I'd be like, why? You know, that doesn't make sense to me. I want to learn more about that, you know. And so I'd, I'd constantly be questioning everything and looking into everything. And, and ultimately, I think that's what led me down this trail of being, you know, interested in health and wellness and becoming a chiropractor and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so, you know, I started doing a lot of things. You know, I was writing articles for newspapers, as you mentioned earlier. I was writing books. I was doing podcasts. Um, and really, a lot of that came from um, I can remember distinctly attending one particular chiropractic seminar. I think it was actually Dynamic Growth, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was awesome. Uh, I remember being in there and just learning all this amazing information um, and then thinking, this is great, this is going to change the world kind of thing, and then walking out of the door and just looking around at the sort of general population and realizing that 99% of the population had no idea about any of this stuff, you know, um, and so that for me became a real impetus to want to sort of share and, and to share my knowledge of what I was learning from these amazing people. And, you know, I was really blessed going through that journey to, you know, encounter some really, really amazing people and, and learn some really amazing information. And so I just became really passionate about wanting to share that. Um, and the interesting thing about that is I really look back at that sort of early stage of my kind of career and, and you know, probably the first sort of five to 10 years of my career now and think, God, I was naive, you know, like, like I just, you know, I had these ideas, I, you know, I had a lot of, I think I had a lot of knowledge and perhaps not a lot of wisdom um, and perhaps not as much empathy as I should have, you know, and so, you know, when you're young and you're like, well, it's easy, you just do this and this and this, like what's wrong with everybody, you know, um, and so that was kind of my life up until, um, you know, probably early 30s. Um, and everything was going well, you know, I was, I had a practice, the practice was going great. I had a wife and two kids, like totally, you know, the white picket fence, the whole lot. I was like, how good's life? Life's going great. Uh, and so, um, you know, the, the, the way I describe this in my book is, you know, I went, um, I went to play indoor cricket with my mates. I've got this great group of mates. We play indoor cricket together. I think we're in our 22nd year of our indoor cricket team now. And uh, and this particular year, we'd, we'd made the grand final, we'd gone, we'd played, we'd won the grand final. I was like, yeah, how good's life? You know, everything's going great. Um, I came home and my wife was, my then wife was sitting on the end of the bed and she says, Brett, we need to talk. And, you know, I just, I just had that moment of just, oh, shit. You know, like you, you know someone, you've been with them for, I think, 13 years and you just hear that, like that tone of voice, the posture, everything, you're just like, oh, this isn't good. Um, and, and she said, well, yeah, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Um, and, and for her, that wasn't kind of a new revelation. For me, it was just totally out of the blue, you know. So um, it, it was just this really swift process of me, you know, ending up like literally three days later from, from sort of first finding out to three days later moving out of the home. Um, I think three weeks later, finding my own place um, and just this kind of whirlwind of change, you know. And for me, that was just like pulling the rug out from under me. You know, I had this these, this vision of my life and, and this purpose around my life, which was always very much revolved around family and kids and just wanting to create the best, you know, home environment for my family and for my kids. Um, but also like a big part of the reason I did everything else was this idea that the, the healthier I could make the world, 
then the healthier the world my kids grew up in was going to be, you know. And so that was such a big part of my purpose of wanting to do chiropractic, wanting to do books and podcasts and all the other stuff that I was doing, um, that when that sort of, I felt like, got taken away from me, um, I just fell in a hole. You know, I just, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't know why I was doing any of this stupid stuff I was doing. Um, and just kind of nothing made sense anymore. And, uh, and so that was, that was my, well, no, that probably wasn't even my rock bottom. I think my rock bottom came shortly after that. Uh, because, um, you know, one of the blessings and the curses I had was that I had so much information. Like I said, I'd, I'd been to so many seminars, I'd spoken with so many experts, I'd interviewed all these, you know, world-leading experts on the wellness guys. I, I, I was like, I've got every tool in the toolkit that I need to fix this problem, you know. And once again, from that kind of really naive place, I was like, okay, you know, this is just a problem, you know, such a a bloke's way of looking at it. You know, this is just a problem. I just need to fix it and apply the right tools and work really hard and I'm just going to fix it, you know? And so that's what I did. And um, I, I, my, the challenge, I think, at the start was I was coming from this place of, yeah, lacking of empathy, particularly for myself um, and coming from a place where I was just, my self-worth was very, very low. My self-love was very, very low. Um, and as a result, I just kind of took it on board 100% as being kind of 100% my fault took on board 100% of the blame um, and just tried to, you know, smash it out of the park, just try to do everything I could to fix it. Um, and, and that led me to this really, really dark place of just, you know, kind of self-blaming, self-loathe, very low self-worth. Um, I think I posted a picture of this on my Instagram just a couple of weeks ago of me actually speaking at a seminar just after that time. And I was like so thin, you know, I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't um, and, and so that for me really, I think was, you know, my rock bottom wasn't necessarily the divorce. It was, it was what I did to myself after the divorce, I think. Yeah. Gosh, isn't that amazing? Um, it's funny that on the surface, everything looks so, you know, shiny and happy and, um, particularly in this world of like, you know, social media and you just get the, the highlights reel of everything, but then below the surface, um, as you mentioned, there was so much like self-loathing and your self-esteem was, you know, also at rock bottom and everything else. But from the outside, um, people probably wouldn't have picked up on any of that. Like maybe people in your really close circle may have been privy to that. Um, but I think that you still had this pretty, um, like hard exterior as well. What, what did you do to sort of climb or claw your way back from that? Yeah, well, look, it was, um, it was a, it was a process, you know, like I said, first thing I did was I just tried to fix everything. I just went into that, you know, that real sort of fixing mode. Um, and, and as I said, I, I relatively quickly realized that that wasn't working um, and that I was just, you know, I was just killing myself. Like I was literally just beating myself up and, and smashing myself trying to, to fix it. Um, and, and it made me realize that I had to take a step back. Like I had to look after myself first. Um, and, and I think in, you know, in typical male fashion, it wasn't until I really hit rock bottom that that occurred to me. You know, it was like, I, I let myself get down to that sort of point where it, it wasn't like a, it almost wasn't a conscious choice to say I need to look after myself better. It was just like an absolute have to, need to. Like I'm at this point now where if I don't, I'm just going to totally burn out and like be a collapse on the floor and not be able to move kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it, it had to come right back. Like it had to be a matter of saying, well, okay, you know, how can I um, love myself more? You know, how can I look after myself more? 
Um, I, I can remember, um, you know, one of the things I did, and, and this always sounds a bit crazy, but one of the things I did was I was like so, um, you know, craving so many of the things that I missed from that relationship um, that I sat down and I figured out, okay, what are the things that I'm like craving? What are the things I'm missing here? Um, and how can I give those things to myself? Right, because I, I I realized well a um you know I needed to build myself back up and b if I went into another relationship in that frame of mind like I was just going to be like the neediest boyfriend ever and and it wasn't going to be a healthy sort of balanced relationship and I so am so glad that you made that realization <laughs> yeah. for the sake of all women everywhere I'm very glad <laughs> that um that you did that Brett because yeah. that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, um, yeah. And I know that I'm generalizing there, um, but I think women get so offended when, say, their partner or their husband or someone moves on so quickly and they think that, oh, they never loved me in the first place or, um, you know, maybe it was not right. But a lot of the time it is because of that. It's that desperate need for someone else just to validate you um, and you really do need to give yourself that time and space. So, yes, thank you for doing that, Brett. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, full disclaimer, like I, I did move into another relationship relatively quickly after that as well and I'm sure that created – um, you know, friction in that that previous relationship too. And, um, you know, uh, as much as, I, you know, I moved into another relationship and was kind of you know, learning on the run, I think, to a large degree. So I'm, I'm probably no angel in that regard. And, and, you know, for everyone who knows me knows I'm, I'm pretty much an open book. So I'm always willing to admit those things. Um, but yeah, so what I did was I literally sat down and wrote this list of like all the things I was like missing, you know, so it was like, just, you know, going out to dinner, you know, going on dates, going to the movies, um, massages, you know, hugs. Um, and so I wrote this like list of all this. And then I wrote another list of like, okay, how can I give these things to myself? Um, which led to some quite funny like solutions um, in that I was, you know, like going to the movies by myself, which I turned out was great. Like I actually mm -hmm. love going to the movies by myself without someone kind of next to me going, what's going on? What's the plot line? You know, like I was like, this is the best. I can just sit back and enjoy the movie, you know? Um, and I, I was then, I was going out dancing by myself, you know? So I was like, I love dancing. I, you know, I miss doing that. So I just like go to nightclubs by myself, totally sober. Cause I wasn't drinking at the time and, uh, and dance till like three in the morning, just totally like literally with my eyes shut in my own space, just dancing. I had no idea what those people thought of me, but I was having the time of my life and I just didn't care. And, oh, um, awesome. <laughs> the funniest one that all people always find amusing was I, I bought myself one of those massive, um, pillows. It's called a Bulbo and it's like this massive, like bolster pillow, but like way bigger than you think. And that was, and I would literally like go to sleep hugged up to my Bulbo, which sounds like the saddest thing ever. Right. But it was great. It actually, like I loved, I'm a very like physical touch kind of person. Mm. And, and that actually made a massive difference to me. Um, and so, yeah, so I had all these like kind of funny solutions of how I could kind of you know, show myself that I love myself, basically. And, and I realized for me, it was those actions. Um, and it wasn't even the actions. It was like the decision to take those actions um, was what actually showed me that, okay, you know, I, I can love myself. And, and from that place, then it allowed me to gain like new perspective and new empathy on what had happened during the relationship and what had happened since the relationship as well. Um, it allowed me to be way more empathetic towards myself and see that, you know, I was half of the problem, you know, rather than the whole problem. And, and that, you know, as much as I was responsible, like 100% responsible for everything I did, 
I wasn't 100% responsible for the relationship or how the relationship turned out. You know, um, I wasn't 0%. And, and, you know, I think for a while I flipped and was like, you know, from taking 100% of the blame, I started taking 0% of the blame. <laughs> and then I had to kind of come back and find that nice middle ground and realize that, no, it is 50-50. Um, but that was kind of that, that next phase of that, I think, that, that ability to, I guess, more curiously, more objectively analyze what had happened in a way, way healthier way um, was allowed by the fact that I'd sort of generated that self-care and that self-love first. That's a, that's such a powerful insight, though, Brett, to realize that um, at some point, you know, you wake up and you go, okay, hugging this pillow might seem funny, but it's serving the needs right now so that I don't project those needs onto other people around me, you know, and find myself in, in situations or relationships that are not going to serve me and I'm clearly not going to give the best to someone else. And, um, you know, that's just something that, uh, you know, the world today, we need more people to, to, you know, wake up to their own stuff before they can go and, you know, fill their life with what they need. And it's that that classic powerful example, isn't it, that, um, you know, firstly, you've got to love yourself, but uh, secondly, as well, the love you seek is often always there, just in different places. You know, it's yeah. not always all in one soulmate. It may be everything you seek is not in one person. It might be your best friend provides this, and you know, your, your mum does that, and really, all that love you seek is there. It's just, it's just been shared out, and I think that's one thing that uh, you know, people who are out there looking for the answers to their life. It's not found in one person, um, yeah. but those. But that one person can magnify some of the greatness within you, and that's uh, obviously something Steph has helped you know on your journey as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. But you know, but before that, I think what you said is such a great point. Like I was, I was so blessed to have a couple of amazing, amazing friends who really just were such big helps to me along the way. And and Ashley, you know well, uh, JC, one of those people. Yes. Um, and and she was just incredible. Like I'm literally. Um, welling up now, even just saying that, uh, because she was just the most amazing friend and the most amazing support to me during that time. Um, and similarly, my other good friend who people will know from the Wellness Catch Network, Kim Morrison. And so, um, you know, in many ways, I was just so blessed to have the two most amazing support people who just like checked in on me so regularly, um, you know, gave me some reality checks when I really needed it, um, you know, and just were such um, you know, sources of love, but also sources of challenge along the way in, in just the right ways and in just the right times. Um, but that, that just, that made a massive difference as well. So, you know, having that support network and, and being willing to open up to that support network is a really big part of that. I think once again, especially for guys at times and, you know, as much as I think we do give guys a bad rap sometimes, like I, I think we tell guys too much that they can't or don't do these things and it becomes like a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy and mm -hmm. so um you know I, I think one of my messages to guys is that you know all of this exists within you and you're perfectly capable of doing this like i definitely don't think i'm anyone special um i, I think you know these tools and these this process is available to everybody um and, and it's not a matter of anyone teaching it to you it's a matter of drawing it out from inside of you um, and I think that's a really important message for us to share with our guys is that, you know, they can, it's very easy to sort of pigeonhole them and say, well, guys don't do that. Um, but they can and they do. And um, I think that's really important too. So um, anyway, back, back on point. Yeah, definitely having that support network um, is, is huge. And, and those are two pretty awesome women um, that we both know and love. So yeah, that, that's awesome, Brett. Um, okay. So what else did you do? 
Well, I, I think the next really important thing for me to do was, you know, once I'd gotten to that place of, of sort of loving myself again, and, and I was then in a more sort of open and powerful position to figure out, well, what does the rest of my life look like now? Mm. You know, to actually start thinking forwards, uh, which is a, you know, such a simple thing, but a huge transition at that sort of time to go from sort of thinking backwards to thinking forwards is like this massive step and almost just like this, oh, you know, like relieving moment when you kind of get to that point and you realize you can start looking forwards. And I, the, the, one, of the, the, one of the biggest steps for me was really rediscovering my purpose um, and figuring out, you know, what, who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do moving forwards from that. Um, and for me, one of the massive relieving factors was this kind of like light bulb moment, this sudden realization that I could still be a good dad and a good family man, even though I'd been divorced. And I know saying that out loud, it kind of seems ridiculous. Like you kind of go, yeah, of course. Um, but divorce is one of those funny things where, you know, first of all, I think you hear about it all the time and you hear the statistics about it all the time. And it's so common. Um, but it doesn't really compute until it happens to you. That mm-hmm. you kind of it doesn't you don't ever think that it could happen to you. At least I didn't anyway. I didn't never really thought that it could happen to me. Um, and never really sort of mentally prepared for it or thought about what that would mean or what it would look like. And I think just, you know, innately over the course of my life, I'd picked up a lot of subconscious messaging about what divorce meant and what divorce meant for you as a family, what divorce meant for you as a dad, what the impacts on the kids were going to be, all of those sort of things. So I think that there was just this moment where I suddenly sat down and realized, you know, actually, I can still be a good dad. You know, I can still be a good um, friend, I can still be a good partner, you know, all of those things, um, despite the fact that I've been divorced. And, you know, once again, I was really lucky to have some great role models in that regard. I mean, just, you know, just Damien Christoph, my great friend from the Wellness Guys, um, who, you know, has this amazing son, Jackson, from a previous relationship and just does it amazingly well, has the most beautiful, amazing relationship with his son and, and a great relationship, you know, amazing relationship with his new partner. And, you know, and so I was able to sort of look and, you know, once again, it's not until you're in that position that you kind of really look at that with different eyes and go, oh, yeah, because, you know, I, I think in my head, I just forgotten that Damien had been through that, you know, because he just did it so well. Um, that, that I was then able to sort of look at that and go, OK, you know, th- this is possible. You know, there is stuff that I can do here. Uh, and it very much became about kind of controlling what I can control. You know, it's kind of like, OK, so. I'm going to have my kids 50% of the time now. And, and that you know, in itself was probably about a three-year journey getting to that point, which was in itself very challenging and very stressful um, for, for a myriad of reasons. But, um, but you know, getting to that point where I'm like, okay, I've got my kids 50% of the time. And so what I can control is what kind of dad I am in that 50%. You know? And so very much then you know, rediscovering that purpose of like, okay, and 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 then it kind of flowed on into everything else I was doing in the wellness sphere, where I sort of started to realize that, okay, if I've only got my kids 50% of the time, then the world they grow up in is going to be even more important in terms of shaping who they end up being. So now it becomes even more important for me to try and create a healthy world around them, because um, that's going to be their teacher, you know, almost as much as I am, or probably, you know, probably more than I am. And so... Um, I rediscovered that passion of, you know, kind of going, okay, okay, now I've got it. Now, now I get who I am. And I, and I was like, the funny thing is my, my purpose and my why almost didn't change. Like it was almost exactly the same, but it was like, it was, I gave myself permission to dream that again. 
um, you know, I'd, I'd given myself permission to try and create that again and, and to see that that was still possible in spite of the changes. You know, it wasn't better or worse. It was just different. Um, and that was a really powerful moment for me. It's interesting how unpacking your journey almost feels like we're going through uh, a case study of your, you know, resilience <laughs> coaching. Like I feel like you've just shown us how that whole process unpacks that, you know, you go from those places of, you know, obviously to do with self-esteem and that low self-worth and then, you know, what that means to turn that around, the work you have to do within yourself and then reevaluating purpose and direction and, you know, and just reshaping in the big picture. Um, I'm assuming that's what you do with your clients as well. Yeah, it really is. And and it was kind of stumbled upon by accident as much as anything. Like, uh, so about three years after I'd gotten divorced, um, you know, I decided it was, you know, the kind of time was right to sort of share my journey and my story. Um, and so at the 2016 Wellness Summit, um, I, I, I presented this and I sort of did this talk of like, this is what happened to me uh, and this is what I've been doing and, and this is how it's been working and all those sort of things. And and it really wasn't until that time that it dawned on me how important this message was uh, because, I, to be honest, I didn't really see it as anything special or different. You know, it was just, you know, this happened and then I had to work through it and I just, you know, one step at a time, I just did these little bits and pieces and, and tried to recover as best I could. And um, it wasn't until I did that presentation and to this day I think that presentation is the, pres- the, the number one presentation I've ever done in terms of, like, feedback in terms of like you know we get we get all our feedback for years we get scores for the wellness couch and and we can see what everyone liked but but not just the not just the feedback forms but like just literally people coming up to me at the end I've I was like swamped at the end of that talk with people going oh my god I totally get it and oh my god that's so important and yes I, I gained an insight into what the next step is for me and thank you for that and um, and, you know, the fascinating thing about that is that the Wellness Couch audience is like, as you would know, like 95% female. Um, you know, there's just the odd spattering of guys there. And, and I think every single one of the guys who was there came up to talk to me at the end. But, but I would also say like the vast majority of the girls who were there came up to talk to me at the end, which was fascinating for me. Um, and what it made me realize was that, yes, I, I did have, I was in somewhat of a unique position, you know, in that, first of all, that I'd been exposed to so much you know, health and wellness and personal development along the journey. Um, and so I was in a kind of lucky position of having, you know, being able to sort of piece all that together and, and to figure out which tools to use when to get myself back on track. Um, but it also made me realize how much um, guys often don't talk about these journeys. Um, and so there's a, you know, there's a really sort of one half of the story very much left untold. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, and a part of the story that is very, very useful for not just the guys, but for the girls as well to understand the, the sort of complete picture too. Um, and so, and, and then I guess the third part of that was just my willingness to share it in a public forum, you know, like to actually stand up on stage and, and talk about that. And, and, you know, as we know, uh, for many people, uh, public speaking is, you know, more fearful than death. And so, you know, there are a lot of people going through these sort of journeys who wouldn't feel comfortable standing up on stage and talking about it. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that the feedback I got from that made me realize, oh, okay, this is important. Like, this is a message that has to be shared. And and I really just, from that point on, felt absolutely compelled to, um, you know, figure out what it was that I did in in more clarity um, and, and amazingly, the, the, the format of that talk that I did in 2016 is, is almost like exactly the format of my book. Like it, there, there's a lot more detail fleshed out and added in there. 
Um, but I was amazed that when I went back and tried to kind of critically analyze it and figure out how it could be better, um, that I actually didn't end up changing it a lot, which really surprised me. Um, and yeah, it has very much um, formed a lot of the basis for the coaching is understanding that there is a journey and a pathway um, that I can help people go on. And, and I, I use that language really deliberately uh, because it's not about me teaching people anything. It's not about me showing people um, you know, what to do, uh, but it's about me releasing from helping them see what's inside of them and helping them see the wisdom and the knowledge that already exists inside of them that knows what to do and how to do it. And, um, you know, as you guys would know, that that comes very much from kind of the, the chiropractic background and the chiropractic philosophy of, you know, the body needs no help, just no interference. Um, and that, you know, that we as chiropractors don't need to treat people or fix people. We just need to, you know, to release those blocks and, and allow them to thrive because their bodies are just, you know, super intelligent. And, and I think we can extrapolate that to the mind as well, that, mm. you know, people are far more resilient, far more capable of overcoming challenges, far more, um, you know, able to bounce back than they ever thought possible. Um, and that all we need to do is just help them see that, you know, and, and ask the right questions at the right time to sort of release that knowledge within them um, rather than doing it for them, which I think often can be a real disservice. Oh, Brent, I love that. And um, just to kind of circle back to the very start of what sparked all this for you. And I love, um, and I am going somewhere with this, so just bear with me. (laughs) I love that there's always such um, balance in the universe. So you came from such a high, you, you know, won your cricket grand final and you were like, yep, life is great. I've got everything. And then you came home and then there was that huge polarity and there's just that, you know, the universe has this way of keeping us, <laughs> keeping us balanced on track. And um, one of the things that you talk about is this idea of just believing in miracles as well. Um, and uh, Brett, sort of just before we wrap up, I would just love to, uh, to hear your take on that and how that has sort of shown up in your life. Yeah, well, yeah, I can give you a great example of that. But I'll, I'll explain it first is that, you know, one of my favorite quotes has always been, um, I choose to believe that the universe is conspiring to help me. Um, and, and you see that online and it's attributed to various different people. So I'm not exactly sure who that comes from. Everyone has a different answer to that. Um, but I love that quote. Uh, and I know some people have challenges with that quote because I feel like it's, uh, you know, it's got spiritual connotations or religious connotations. And, and I'm a very like, practical person. And so I'm you know, in many ways a bit of a blokey bloke and I like my footy and my cricket. And, and sometimes those more spiritual aspects um, I get a bit lost. Um, but, but for me, it comes down to this really simple idea is that um, I can't have two choices, right? Like I choose to believe that the universe is conspiring to help me or I don't. Um, and, and for me, what I realize is the reality is when I choose to believe the universe is conspiring to help me, it's kind of like when you want to buy a red car and all you see is red cars. Well, like when I choose to believe the universe is conspiring to help me, I'm tuning my mind to see all of the ways that the universe is conspiring to help me. I'm, I'm choosing to look for the possibilities and the opportunities and the growth that might be there. Um, and, and so in many ways, I think that that is the miracle, you know, like we can look at, you know, I, I look at my divorce and think that it's a miracle, you know, like it is the best thing that ever happened to me, you know, and I can honestly look back and say that. And, and I actually get like tingles on my arms when I say that because I 100% believe it um, because of the growth and the learning and the development. You know, I spoke about how naive I was before that moment, you know, my ability to help other people has grown exponentially as a result of going to that dark place, you know, 
I never understood before what that dark place was or, you know, I'd be kind of one of those people going, well, just like snap out of it, you know, like just just get on it, get on with it, move forward, you know, what's wrong with you? And um, and I was very, very naive in that regard and, and I fully understand that people get annoyed if they even just saying those words. Um, and so I can imagine what they were like in that time and, and, you know, and I can imagine how that probably contributed to me being in the situation I ended up in. Um, and so, yeah, so this idea that there are miracles all around us all the time, you know, and so if we can just choose to believe that they're there and keep looking out for them, um, then that gives us the opportunity to create, you know, monumental amounts of change. And so the, uh, I don't know if you guys probably don't know this and, and many people won't know this, but the, the inspiration to adding that last slide into my talk, um, actually came two nights before that talk. So I'd written this entire talk thinking it was done, it was complete, it was great. Um, and two nights before that I presented that on stage, um, Steph and I actually went out on a date for the first time. So my now wife, Stephanie, um, her and I had gone out on a date for the first time two nights before that. We hadn't told anybody, um, but it was just one of those things. It was, it was one of those miracles where it was like the right place at the right time. We'd both done so much of our own work and our own self-development that we were just, you know, we were just ready. Um, and, and it was just one of those miraculous moments where like literally, you know, we, were to, we went on a date and it was like, okay, we're going to be together for the rest of our lives kind of thing, you know, at least from my point of view. And, um, and so it was that uh, inspiration that made me realize there was something missing from the end of the talk and ultimately from the end of the book, um, which was the idea that, you know, when you've done the work, um, and when you've, you know, and, and the other things we haven't sort of spoken about here, are, are, you know, you've taken personal responsibility and you've taken action um, and done, you know, done the work. Um, when you get yourself into that position, then that's when the miracles happen, you know, and that's when you can have that, you know, that moment in time when your whole life changes. And, and it's not because of the moment in time. It's because of the journey you've gone on mm -hmm. to get to that point. Um, and so that was, you know, that was my miracle and, uh, and it's, you know, obviously led me on a wonderful journey over the last, you know, sort of three or four years. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and we now have just, you know, a beautiful house in the hills and now three kids and, um, and, a, and a you know, great life together. And I, and I feel so blessed to have uh, Steph in my life and, uh, and it has definitely been a massive miracle for me. And, and, you know, once again, something that, if you asked me right after getting divorced, uh, you know, I would have never thought possible. Um, and I would have told you that I didn't want it. Like I didn't want to get married again. I didn't want to have any more kids, you know. Um, so, you know, I guess that's a, that's a good thing to, you know, to remember as well about just, you know, remaining curious and remaining flexible because sometimes the miracle doesn't look like how you think it's going to. Oh, Brett, that is so lovely. Um, and we always just love and appreciate your authenticity so much. Like you really are, um, you know, that open book, Brett. And um, <laughs> but I'm just a crap liar. <laughs> that, that's not a bad thing. Okay. So, Brett, where can people find Rock Bottom? Yeah. So, the easiest, they can go to my website, mm -hmm. which is drbretthill.com, and they can find everything there. Um, or if they want to go straight to the book, if they just go rockbottombook.com.au, um, that'll take them straight to it and uh, and they can get it there. Awesome. Oh, well, Brett, it's been so lovely to have a chat to you and have you back on, on Wellness Women Radio. Uh, and so everyone can find out more about that on the website, so drbretthill.com. Uh, make sure you tune in to This Week in Wellness, um, obviously on the wellness couch as well. Um, and, Brett, thanks again um, for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure.
So, ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.